Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast, where we break down the classic and cutting-edge wisdom of self-help to discern how to actually make positive change in our lives and achieve the things we care about in our lives. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is our Functional Friday episode, and we're talking about how to control your direction by controlling your visual input. I mean, what you look at, what we look at, that's where we go. As we continue with this first pillar of functional medicine and overall physiological and psychological health and wellness, we're following uh, Dr. Randy James' counsel. And in this series, we're talking about input, beginning of the series, the good and bad that we do and don't put into our bodies. In episode, uh, the last Functional Friday, we covered the huge aspect of what we do and don't put into our mouths. In this show, we address visual input. And this is not an area we give a lot of thought or weight to, unless we're thinking of you know looking at naughty pictures or something. In all truth, I expected it to be a 20 to 30 minute discussion, but as you'll hear, some of the points really expanded. Just like the food we eat every day, we choose or allow a steady and full diet of visionary input into our minds. We discuss the effects screens have on us, not just what we watch on them, but the very real issue of blue screens themselves. Ultimately, we address what cumulative visual input is harming us and taking away life and what is helping us and giving us life. We have control over the majority of this if we'll take it. Videos, news, pornography, social media, ads, consumerism. There's a virtual visual onslaught and reality in our homes and work environments and just everywhere these days. And I think you're going to find your eyes opened, pun intended, and your mind pretty convicted and excited about the power and control that you have that you can take immediate and significant action on right away. And if you find value from this self-helpful podcast, of course, subscribe, leave a rating, Best of all, pass on something you learned, something that benefited you. Let somebody else know. You can connect with me at kevinmiller.co. So next up, Dr. Randy James joins me to talk about how we can help our overall health with what we do and, and don't allow in our daily diet of visual input. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. All right. So as we're talking about input, our last show was on mouth oral, uh, what we eat, which is, is obviously a huge one. I mean, a foundational one. And I would say, I mean, a, a bigger one. So, but our, you know, here's the eyes. And as we were just talking about, so Shakespeare, I had to look it up, said eyes are, our eyes are the windows to the soul. And as I was thinking, even on the notes to this, I don't, I don't think about my monitoring or, or even guiding so much. I don't think consciously that often about visual stimulus. I mean, you're, you're the doc taking care of folks. I mean, is that one, it doesn't get a whole lot of focus, does it? Well, I was, I was just going to say, when was the last time your doctor asked you, well, what have you been looking at lately? Like a good doctor might say, well, how's your diet? Yeah. And so it, it isn't obvious. And yet when we say some of the things that we're going to say, it does become obvious that certainly your eyes or your input is an intake into your physiology. Yeah. And that has an impact on your wellness or lack thereof, without a doubt. 
And so, yeah, we, we've, we'll talk through the, well, some and, of those ideas. And I'm ideas. thinking, of, you know, of course, in my, my show and the Ziegler show, I mean, we talk so much about the auditory input, mental input, and, and negative you know, input. But visual, I, I honestly can't think of having thought specifically of that other than me saying, dude, I got to have a window in my office wherever it is. And I'd rather it has a good view. Like we both have a Pike's Peak over here. But, but again, it's not a conscious thought and yet we both know that we live in a visual society yeah that video has become the medium of choice for nearly everything and and now amazingly in our own lifetime so i like to say our grandparents went from my grandma went from horse and buggy to seeing a man on the moon Mm -hmm. in 50 60 years Mm -hmm. so she was you know, child of the South and horse and buggy. And what we have gone through, and I don't know if you remember, but I do in the early seventies in elementary school, uh, you know, the Dick Tracy watch mm-hmm. and you have one on your wrist that mm-hmm. has video capability on your wrist. That is the equivalent. So we've gone through this transformation of the information age and video has become the medium of choice and it is impacting our physiology. Uh, because in the past we just didn't stare at a screen for so long and now we know when you take your eyes off of well full spectrum light so now we start to get into the physics and the biochemistry of well what is full spectrum light and it's the whole color of rainbow so it's Mm -hmm. essentially what comes from the sun through the atmosphere and then of necessity our day jobs have now become staring at a screen staring at a phone staring at a something Well, that changes your physiology. There is now a difference going in. This is a part of the sleep epidemic. And people might have heard of blue light or blue light blockers or yellow light or or those kinds of things. And so now we know because uh, in science and in medicine and and the necessity of starting to understand these things, uh, we can counsel people because the the way to be aware of insomnia is not just to say, here's a pill, take this to go to bed. We need to know, well, why is insomnia there? And one of the reasons is, it's passe right now, but to our generation, I could say we became the Johnny Carson generation where yeah. people would watch late night TV or the news and then try to go to bed. It's the last thing before it's the you last thing. Yeah. And famously, people would say, you know, Doc, I can't sleep. And I would say, well, what, what's your bedtime routine and what are you doing and that kind of thing? And, and they'll say, oh, I do this, this, and watch Johnny Carson on the news, and then I go to bed. And the minute I said, well, that's part of your problem, they would look at me and say, no, there's no way. I've been doing that for the past 30 years. It's never bothered me in the past. Which is exactly the same as the guy over here saying, no way, Doc. I've smoked a pack a day for the last 40 years. There's no way. That I've never once had cancer. And now we see the cumulative effect of the rhythm of life going into our eyes with full spectrum light, lack of full spectrum light. What are, what's the messages being input into your brain? Is that signaling wellness, which we would call sleep, or is that signaling lack of wellness, which in one way might be insomnia? Uh, Another example, I was, we were laughing because the Brady Bunch came up with our kids the other day. And so we just kind of parked on the, on the show and, and Marcy and I said, Hey, this was on when we were your guys's age. And of course it looks just retarded. (laughs) And the thing I noticed, and I even pointed it out to the kids was look how long it takes for, before the camera moves. Oh, and it was a headshot of Marsha Brady for like a minute of her talking. No other signaling going on. And then another headshot of another person for a whole minute. And then we popped over to one of their, you know, young people shows or whatever. It's constant. It's like a machine gun. Yes. Yeah. You know, and and that's what has, you have me thinking now is let's go back. Well, you know, pre-internet or easy to say that just pre-internet, which was when we grew up and the daily visual input, you have your home, you have your drive to work or to school, you have the school room, uh, and whatever you see outside, that's pretty much well, it. TV. We, well, you know, okay, right, right, right. T- TV. Uh, so TV in the evening or something like that. And now it is 
our phones, even texts, the amount of texts that we get from friends, family, whatever, that's a video, whether it's showing something cute the kids did or some funny YouTube thing, that's primarily Facebook, which went from being predominantly a photo album. I'm, te- I, you know, I, did, I, sh- I should have looked. I mean, if you look down, anybody can do this. Look down through your Facebook feed, and is it primarily text, pictures, or video? Now, I'm tempted to say it may be a majority video at this point, but if not that, at least pictures. Well, and, and even if we go one step further to say, yes, video is becoming a more dominant theme there, but as I just learned this last week, when you read text on a screen, it is fundamentally different than reading text in a book. You, yeah. you, it is yeah. fundamentally different. And so, plus you're scrolling, you don't yeah. flip a page. Now, some you know e-readers and whatever else will have you flip a page. But, and I shared this with you last week, that when you read a book, you subconsciously have a spatial orientation of where you are in the book. The front, the middle, the back. Right. You don't have that when you're scrolling or even when you're flipping pages through. Like if you've ever, I've read any book and I'm like, I don't even, how long is this book? And it'll change. One day it's a thousand pages and the next day it's 1100 it, it, because it, 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 it's not set. Well, that has it because your brain is designed in such a way as to remember things, not through just the actual raw material, but it will remember based on the smells that are going on. Right. Are you standing or sitting? Are you lying down? Are you tired? Are you in an airplane? Are you like every, like in our generation, I remember, you know, where I was when Elvis died or nine 11 or the, the space shuttle blew up or it, those kind of things. You, it gets imprinted and that memory is then connected to sights, sounds, smells, spatial orientation. You lose that when you read on a screen. Well, and so let's caveat that with, if, if you're reading, at least that's great. Just read <laughs> whatever, whatever, with our kids, if you're reading, whatever it is, read. But I did think it was personal preference. So for the four plus years I've been doing the Ziegler show and doing interviews, I require a hard copy book. I don't want the electronic book. If you don't have the, the hard copy book yet, we'll wait till I have it. I just wanted, and I just thought it was just a personal preference. And then recently had a grandparent want to give one of the kids Canyon, uh, you know, uh, an, a, a Kindle cause he's such a voracious reader and he has just, he was a little leery. And now that he's got it, he just struggles with it. He says, just, I just want the book in my hands. I didn't know it was anything beyond personal preference till recently. And maybe it was through you and you talked about, no, there are literally some positive aspects to that tactile aspect of a book. But, you know, again, talking about visual, I'm, I'm, I want to go back to you saying it's the culmination of the cumulative uh, effect. So to go back pre-internet to now today, the amount, I wish we, maybe there is a stat of how many different images are before our eyes than back then. And how can mm. there not be an accumulative effect? So, and trying now to get to the meat of this, what are the bad visuals that we are consistently getting in? What's the result of that? The consequence of that, what are good visuals? And if we look at it like a diet, we all know that. So again, the last show in episode three, uh, we talked about food and we can look at, Hey, this is bad. You know, Twinkies, bad, uh, raw carrot. Good. Generally, you know, I mean, it's pretty easy. I, again, I haven't done this consciously really with visual, even though we do. So we have an office, we're standing in it right now, 8,500 feet above sea level. And we're looking out at, you know, trees and the landscaping and bushes and Pike's peak, which is a majestic thing that I think touches anyone's soul of, of awe and, and nature. We both live, you know, uh, amidst or against woods. We see that. So let's get into some of the specifics of that. And, and yeah, when I was doing this thinking sequentially, I was back to you saying, when does your day start? Well, it really starts at night. And so I thought you want to start there of if we Whoa, go through yeah. a day. Okay. Well, you just jumped, but I'm with you. Okay. I just wanted to put in one caveat yeah. there that when it comes to visual, we have to say we're in, we're in new territory. This is like the iPhone is 2000. Seven, I think. So we've barely passed 10 years. And of course, the first iPhone was, was barely visual, right? So let's say the, the super duper smartphones is recently since iPhone, you know, five ish, maybe, which was 
I don't know. So we're, we're not even 10 years into this. Right. So a lot of what we're saying about how many visual images and those kind of things is conjecture. You're going to have hearers out there saying, no, I love my e-reader. I can remember everything. And we're saying none of this is very specific, but we're getting ready to get to some specific things. But we're increasing awareness of the fact that part of the input into your physiology is through the eyes. Okay. Well, and yes. I just wanted to lay no, that I'm, out. I know there, I'm that, with that. you, though. We could also go back and go. Obviously, this has mattered. You know, if we go back, however many years to where people were, you know, a small town storefronts. You worked outside was part of it, and then we all of a sudden got to the industrial revolution and high rises, and now you've got people in the middle of a huge, you know, f- uh, the fifth floor of a building, fluorescent lights, cubicles, sure. no windows. That's what we're speaking. Sure. And that and argument just accelerated it. That, that's right. So we've, we've known for a long time that the health effects of the industrial revolution, whether it's, you know, uh, the, the 1700s and, and sweatshops or, or the 2000s and sweatshops, yeah. you, you know, that, that that's bad. Yeah. But to, to us and to our audience, we, we can't just say, hey, everybody move to Colorado and get a, a, you know, that there's, there can be a redeeming fact about a beautiful city skyline. That if you, my cousin worked in Seattle and he looked out over the skyline, it's beautiful. Yeah. And over the sound and, and those kind of things. And so, so everybody's going to be uniquely different in this area. And on one hand, we're talking about vast swaths of making assumptions. But like you say, when it, you know Twinkies, not so good. Carrots, good. How are we going to boil that down to the visual? And my point is, yeah. compared to nutrition, it's a little bit harder because we're this is new. But let's go into that. So here's a, here's a discussion, maybe not a, a, an exact directive, but we want to try to veer. There. I love it. So, so awareness, we, awareness, exactly. Of, of every day we are under a barrage of visual imagery. What is helping us? What is hurting us? So if we start with your aspect of the day starts in the evening and, you know, in quality of sleep, which is an upcoming show talking about sleep and recovery, but right now visual our eyes and most people we would have to say are going to bed after having filled their vision with a show of some type videos of some type or on screens. We're a screen society right now. Uh, even if they're reading, it's, even if they're reading. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's what they're looking at one. And then I know you're going to hit, uh, how close to bed. Right. Well, and, and to, to start that off is how many people, cause you and I just went through a revolutionary idea. Cause if, if, if we ask the trick question, Hey folks, you know, when, at what time does your day start? Mm-hmm. Most everybody's going to think of the morning and say six, six thirty seven, And I wake up. And I would say, huh, interesting that when we consider ancient cultures, many of them flip it around. And so you and I coming from a Judeo-Christian culture and, and looking at some of the scriptural texts that indicate that the day starts at sundown. If the day ends at sundown, then the next day is starting at sundown. What a revolutionary concept that the very first thing that you do in preparation for the next 24 hours is close your eyes, is to go to sleep, is to begin the rhythmic existence of your, of your existence. The rhythmic pattern of your existence is to begin with rest in anticipation of the day. You and I have also grown up in a society where we wake up, we work hard, and then the end of the day is we relax and we go to bed. And of course... As we were just uh, relaxing has now become video. We, we sort of veg and do mind candy with video stuff, not calling that bad or making it a moral statement. It there's, there's much, it's not renewal. It's it. I suppose it could be somebody's going to say, Oh my gosh, I watch, you know, lectures on (laughs) whatever. Uh, That's, 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 but generally we got to generally, right. We got to generalize it. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. 
No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is. And Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. You know, it's just on this aspect of, of preparing ourselves. I, uh, I unfortunately maybe think about electronics. I mean, at night I turn off our internet, uh, turn off the Wi-Fi So it's not going through the house. I take my phone. I usually, you know, get rid of the, uh, all the close everything down and I plug it in so that the next morning it is ready for my day as I take it out the door and you have now gotten me thinking about the same thing with myself. So it's the evening, whatever I do right now, whatever I eat, whatever I look at, whatever stress, whatever is what I'm preparing. That, that's what's preparing me to go to bed, the quality of my sleep. And that is the preparation for my day. And, and you, again, you brought this up as opposed to, no, I just fall into bed to try to recover from the day. No, now I'm really preparing myself for the next day. And it's reoriented my thinking about, Gosh, am I really going to eat those chips right now at 1030? Am I going to stay up till 1030? Am I going to be watching a show to the very end or looking at my email or whatever, as opposed to a book or candles while I talk with my family or some nice music or whatever? So, okay. So hit it, hit the specifics of, of that, of that preparation visual, which again, for most people is going to consist of what they're watching on a screen and then how close to bedtime so, so to, to hit, because, and this is where, and you know, I struggle because we don't want to put 
algorithms out there to people to say, here's how you live to be 150 and here's how you have a great life. So, uh, but we're still looking for a Twinkie and a carrot. Right. <laughs> right. We're good, still looking to the bottom the, line. <laughs> the worser and the better. So, so I think in, because I'm one of those people too, I've got a family, we enjoy TV, we enjoy, um, all of those things. And, and I also succumb to the idea it's cause TV's easy. And, and now it's, you know, even in the past, I remember <laughs> I was trying to explain to my kids what a TV guide was um, and they're just like, well, you just pick what you want to watch. I mean, what? I'm like, no, yeah, we yeah, used t- to have TV to guide. You hit the guide button on the remote control and you, <laughs> and you pick it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we used to have to plan our week out about, okay, when's our shows on? And, um, and so now the, the, the problem is there's, there's just so much and it, it, it's the exercise of the off button or planning when the off button is going to be so that you're not driven by the, the moment. And so, so for me, what I would say to most people out there is to just, again, be aware of the crush of your opportunity and choices and that kind of thing. And to recognize that on the science side, if somebody's going to say, okay, what visually is going to be a, a good preparation for sleep, for the start of my day with really excellent sleep? And I would say a minimum of one hour of no screen time before bed. That, 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 that that's the norm. That's the minimum. Not something you want to try to aspire to and work to, but that's even somebody who says, yeah, I really enjoy shows. I'm going to watch it. I know those things. I would say, well, then at least... And not go to bed later. That doesn't mean, okay, that means I'll go to bed at 11 yeah. instead of 10. It means turn the thing off. Set your day up to where you get to enjoy the next Netflix series longer because even though it prompts you right into the next show yeah, yeah. with a, a cliffhanger and your kids are saying, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. Let's just – And I'm, I'm just only going, no, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop, 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 don't let it go to the cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, the parent has to have the remote control in their hand, not the kid. Yeah. And so you, you head off and no means no to yourself as well. Yeah. You begin the evening process with enough time for the kids to settle their brain down. You and I have young kids. I can just see it in, in our – my youngest is now eight, but – he has to have the wind down time. If you try to get from, you know, movie to bed, if he doesn't happen to fall asleep or something like that, it won't. He'll yeah. just toss and turn in the bed. I was like, well, I would too. Yeah. And so, so is, is an hour of time. And, and so in myself and in our family, you know, my wife is a night owl and I'm kind of the early person. So there's always a little bit of tension there and getting the kids lunches together and all of the thousand things that have to go on. But where will you draw the line? Yeah. What are you going to define as a Twinkie in this case and say, I'm not going to eat that? And so for us, you know, school just started this week. And so that's a little bit of a break for us to then say to the kids, okay, look, there's going to be, and, and our, our goal is two or three nights a week of no screens. Yeah. We're just, it's, you know, we like to watch our shows or whatever, and we'll have those two or three nights a week. And the, but the others, and it's tough in the summertime. And so that's, that's the battle that we're in. With the idea that for me is uh, I need to be going to bed. I'm trying to get my eight hours and those kind of things that I want to have that hour too. So I, in the summertime, it feels like you're going to bed in the middle of the day when you're shooting for nine or nine thirty. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's the, the thing I would put off there is one hour of no sc- of any kind. So to the adults, I'd say the phones count. You don't want to just check the email, check the the whistle that it just whistled at you or or whatever. So, yeah, in our family, we have the phone station, and everybody comes in and plugs yeah. it in, and, and then at a certain point. And in our kids, kids, we've got them on screen time, and it just shuts off at 8 o'clock or whatever. Well, and then you, So you're talking on time, and then I've gotten to be – I think I always have been, but even more so now sensitive to what are those last – images that you're seeing before you go to bed. Is it a horror movie, which we of course don't watch at all, but a lot of people do. Is it a horror movie? Is that what you want? Filling your visual imagery before you nod off to sleep and your brain chews on that the rest of the night. Is it the news and death and mayhem and whatever's happening around the world and angry people, whatever it may be, is that what's going in? And then the one that got me too is, and again, to, to you, you got me reading books at night. And a lot of times I'll read, you know, good, good fiction, uh, which is what you, you were doing too. And, but even there I am reading in my mind, that's the beauty of 
reading is really active and I've got visions in my head. So what is the vision from the book that's going in? And that got me curtailing what kind of book I am reading at night now as well, because those images stick. And, uh, and that one's a really critical one to me because of being aware that our mind chews on it all night. And it was this week uh, or last week, a couple times when we had music, which we usually do going in the evening. And I realized a couple times specifically to Distinctly, I woke up in the morning and right away, man, that too, it's like it was going all night. And I was thinking, well, heck, what were the lyrics to that thing? I don't, I don't remember, but you know, anyways, just knowing that our mind's going to be chewing, what are we going to give it to chew on the rest of the night? So we hit the time and what we're seeing before we go to bed. And then, well, also the, the physics of what you're seeing. So the, and here's the blue light, you know, people might've heard of blue light, yellow light. And so screens, do not have full spectrum lights. So they are, are blue light heavy. And, and the fact is that is a signal to your brain to wake up. In contrast huh. to if we look at the sunshine, when the edges of the day are red and pink lights, sunset, clouds and those kind of things. And that's a signal to your brain to, to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And the physic or the biochemistry of that is related to melatonin and leptin and the circadian rhythm. And all of those things are strongly visually cued. Gosh, I, I just think it's the opposite of uh, my grandparents. Literally, were they had no electricity in their homes at least early on. It wasn't until later, and so how did they go to bed? The sunset, everything darkened, candles, candles, which, which will we do now, that kind of light. Yeah, we do now for the beautiful, you know, for ambiance and that low and comfort and whatever. Right. Instead of that blaring blue light, there you go, or the fluorescent or those or kind the, of yeah. things. Again, people are going to live in whatever environment they live, but if we're increasing the awareness, and especially if somebody is on the edges of sleep disruption and insomnia, um, and they think, oh my gosh, maybe I need a medicine or something like that, I would say, don't do that. Recognize the visual cues that are going on. Make the changes and recognize it took you 10, 20, 30 years to get into this problem. It will take some months, Mm -hmm. some weeks of changing the evening ambiance, changing your bedtime routine before the body gets recalibrated, reconnected with the rhythms and the patterns that we all take for granted until they're gone. Yeah. And, and in fact, uh, the circadian rhythm, you know, we've all known about that for a long time, but yeah. the, the, the biochemistry of that, I maybe in 2013, 14, 15, somewhere around there, but that was the Nobel laureate, was the guy who early in late 1990s, early 2000s, connected the circadian rhythm with essentially everything. Your, your biorhythms, your, your digestion rhythm, and um, maybe you know, menstrual cycle rhythm. These kinds of things are connected to circadian rhythm, which is why it, you know, jet lag and uh, people who work a second, third shift. Uh, I was going to say, you see that with patients who work the graveyard sure. shift or whatever and how there's... There are consequences. There are consequences. So there's a select few people who say, oh, I'm a night owl and all that kind of stuff. And maybe, and we don't really understand, well, why are they that much different? And are they, or have they just learned it? Or are there consequences coming later? But for the vast majority of us, I would say it, it is devastating to get out of those rhythms. And that's where you and I, as we are, you know, middle aged and, I know I could do an all-nighter, but I don't want to because mm-hmm. the consequences and and to where I would encourage the young people, yeah, you know, like our son the other day, he was over at a friend's house and a birthday party and whatever else, and they purposefully stayed up all night long playing video games because they, and I'm like, fine, knock yourself out. I want you to see how Can bad you, you imagine? feel. Can you imagine? And then at our age, that's like, that'd be torture. That oh would, my gosh, I just, yeah, right. It'd be like losing a bad bet. You got to stay up. <laughs> All night. Well, you know, I, again, it got me thinking to patterning and, and I don't know that I've consciously done this, but even subconsciously that desire as we seek better health that at night in our home, we already talked about, you know, what we're watching when we turn it off. But even at night, I, I don't want, we're in the kitchen. I'll get all the lights on, you know, we're cooking and whatever. And then dinner time, we usually sit down at our dinner table and we have a dimmer on that and we'll kind of put it down and put some candles on. It's very common. My wife loves to get the candles going throughout the house. And then in the living room, turn all the overhead lights on, uh, off, I'm sorry. And we have lamps, lamps yeah. with not, uh, you know, hundred watt bulbs in them. They're probably 40 or something like that. And just how that feels and prepares us 
to head off into bed. Well, okay. We, I, we've, we've, uh, hit the bed. You know, I'm thinking about morning. Now we get up in the morning and what is that visual stimulus? Email. <laughs> Email. Well, yeah, yeah. Right away. Boom. And, and the phone. Oh, no, don't do that. Well, and I have to say, I, and I know I can, I know you and I both ascribe to, there's no phones in the bedroom. We don't allow our kids. Well, and we all, all of our bedrooms in our house at the guest room are upstairs. So no, no electronics are upstairs anyway. So they're all downstairs. We turn the internet off the Wi-Fi off. Um, and in the morning there's no there we have to use, I use a, a, a Iron Man Timex as my alarm clock. If I need an alarm clock and my wife has some little battery operated thing, kids have either a plug in or a battery operated alarm clock if that's needed and a clock and that's it. And they get up and boom, what do you see? And I know this is, this is a hard one. There's people listening right now who are in an apartment building in Manhattan and they look out and it's a brick wall, but what can you do? What can you do in our home? And I've, I've known a lot of people who had a, like a breakfast nook, a spot that had peace in it, that had some kind of visual stimulus, had a, uh, what are the little calendar, you know, flip things with like a, a good quote, an inspiring mm-hmm. quote, have some flowers on the thing. What is it that you do now? I happen to have, and I, I'm sure I don't know where your spot is. I guarantee you've got one, but I get up in the morning, I head down, uh, get my water. And then I sit at my dining room table. That's as you know, right by a, I don't know, eight foot, 10 foot by eight foot something window that looks out into the woods. And if it's light enough by then I'm looking at the woods, I'm looking at beauty and that's what I wake up to. But for somebody who doesn't have that to create a note, create a spot. What is it that can give you positive visual stimulus? Yeah. I, that, that first morning, and let me also go to the idea that many people already are committed to the pattern of using their phones as their alarm clock. Mm-hmm. And so the concrete thing there, I would say, is okay, set in, I don't, I don't know if our phones can do this automatically, but it needs to be in airplane mode. The Wi-Fi needs to be off. We know that is another form of input. In this case, it bypasses your eyes and goes right to your brain. Um, and I would recommend, you know, best is probably no phones in the bedroom. But if you're using your alarm as your phone, put it in, in uh, airplane mode. And then resist the urge because if people, and I'm yeah. thinking especially young people, I see my nephews and they're, you know, mid-20s. It's the first thing they look at. And they check. And even it's the last thing they check going to bed. And I saw, so of the current millennial generation or people under 30, how many of them actually wake up in the night to look at the phone to see what they missed and the fear of missing out and all those kinds of input are, are, are on the are on the you know, the Twinkie side. We know that this is not good. Yeah. So over to the people who are saying, no, I slept all night long and I wake up in the first thing. And there again, I would say resist the urge for the garish lighting that there is uh, that even um, night lights to go to the bathroom and things like that can be red, should be red or very on that end of the, the, the light spectrum. And that this allows the brain to wake up a little bit slower, a little bit. It prepares the initial signals are one of, Hey, let's wake up. And then the shifting of melatonin and and those and the neurotransmitters and those kinds of things, rather than the blaring alarm that goes off too early when you're still asleep and and all of that. So, so part of waking up in the morning is go to bed on time. And, uh, and I love, so yeah, I, you know, I'm at the kitchen table too. Well, and I, you know, something I forgot too is we have, I think all heard Hopefully a lot of people have heard the benefits of darkness at night. So like the darkening okay. shades yes. and stuff. So, so my, point. my wife did that. So keeping out any light because baby monitor lights, phone lights, plug in lights, yeah. charging lights. Yeah. It we've, and we've got, small, I, it, and then now I go to a hotel and we're trying to get, you know, all the light out from the windows and you turn the lights off and there's a little red or a, or whatever light from the uh, smoke alarm smoke, yeah. or the, the micro- exit sign, the exit sign, the microwave. And so we're hanging towels hanging to, and yeah, shirts tape. over the, <laughs> yep. but do that. But, but I'm going to come to the converse side of that. I'm amazed at how often I witness people who do that. And then in the morning, they do not open the windows up. They'll turn a light on and we have the gift of talk about God's creation and natural light and the glory of that. I would highly encourage people 
get those windows open. And so that's a big part. That's the morning routine. The kids know, do not get out of bed and come out of your room without opening those room darkening shades and letting that natural light in. Because again, talk about circadian rhythm, uh, and and natural, that early morning uh, light. I mentioned the night lights and stuff because at least where we live six months out of the year and getting up in the fives, it's dark. Yeah. Yeah. So in the summertime, I love the summertime because it's light in yeah. the morning, and and that's a a, a, a delicious. <laughs> you know, experience. You know, we have two we have two lights in our bathroom, and uh, and one of them. Uh, it has two light bulbs and I specifically, one light bulb went out and I realized, man, that's great. I can come in in the morning, turn that on and it's real dim. And that's, you know, kind of the start. Let my eyes wake up and then not the garish blaring, like whatever. That. So yeah, that was, uh, I didn't mean for that, but well, so, so morning, you know, obviously we can go into so many details here, but. Uh, people are driving to work, driving to school. I mean, what do you see then? Obviously you're going to see what you see, but then the majority of people are sitting somewhere all day long. Where is that? And what are you seeing? And I think we, you know, again, going back to the cubicle, which I don't want to talk about that as being super terrible because some people can't change that, but what do you do? And we know that since the dawn of time, people have, you know, what, what an inspiring picture can you put up? Do you have a forest or a beach or something screensaver? Can you get outside, walk outside and see the bright sky? Uh, do you have a window? I think if at all possible, you know, have a window, what are the things you can do? So I don't want to make anybody feel bad here for what you're maybe stuck with, but what can you do? You get the point here to make it better. Um, I mean, you and I are, are again, blessed, incredibly gifted to have uh, a room with a view that we work in all day long. And even our office, uh, it's a medical office here. That's all natural wood that people love to come into and come see. And, and we do kind of keep it dark in our main room because mm-hmm. it's lit by windows on both sides, but it's a little dim in there and but it's natural natural, it's natural light, light which, which like i it. which i love and our uh our afternoons which we're about to hit after this show we'll go sit outside on the deck uh for lunch but again even if we were downtown i think we'd do the same thing we were downtown right. i would and, encourage people to and, and now we know that and we live in an age of sunglasses we live in the age of transitional lenses and progressive lenses and all of these kind of things that no other age has ever lived with and Part of your physiology is the actual exposure to the full spectrum light, which includes damaging UV light and those kinds of things. But it literally goes through your eyes and hits. This is where your blood vessels are literally exposed to light therapy. Hmm. Okay. And there again, it's not that somebody spends all day inside and says, oh my gosh, I feel so terrible. I didn't get my eyes. I didn't get my blood exposed to light. But Decade after decade of this, year after year, time after time, in those who are genetically susceptible or whatever, is that a part of the of the uh, physiologic perspective that we would call unwellness or fatigue or headache or any of the number of symptoms we have? And the answer is yes. It is. We know that. And so, and and now we live in this age where a fact like that is going to find its way onto Google mm. and not likely become viral, but people know about it. And so now there's companies who are going to say, yes, we, for your cubicle, you can go buy full spectrum light. You can buy a light box, the vitamin D exposure through your skin. Okay. So what do people, do you need to go buy buy a thousand dollar light box or, you know, probably two, 300 bucks? And I'd say, well, if you live in Antarctica, yes. And we know that they do. And, you know, northern Russia and Murmansk and a lot of that, that the, the data came out of, 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 of Russia, a lot of this light data. But what can we do? So you and I, we're blessed. We go outside. Other people, I say, go outside if you can. That's the, that's the, the, the best thing. And, and I think, of course, the bottom line is be aware. And raise your kids in such a way that they are aware. That's what, and I'm going to come back to your word cumulative, just to think about this is the, so if you are in a, in an office for eight hours a day, if you're in a school room, if you're in a whatever, the the cumulative, what are the little ingredients that can you put a pretty plant, something to look at? Can you, I mean, this would be a, a worst case, but if it's, if you have no other thing than the screen on your computer, can you go look at a YouTube video of planet earth or something inspiring? I mean, we have, you know, we used to have the, uh, what was the company that had the inspiring posters with a beautiful yeah. scene and a great inspiring quote 
It'll come to me in a second. It was like leader something or other. You know what I'm thinking of is your son, Caleb, when like four or five years ago, he was sitting at the table, just staring out the window. Yes. Having wonderful thoughts. And you went and tossed a book in front of him and said, man, don't do do something. Don't just just sit there, do something. And and after getting our paradigm shift, it was don't just do something, sit there. Yes. Just stare out the window. He does. He sits there. He does. He he sits there and, and chews and chooses food well, which he should and slowly and looks out the window and is at peace. And I bet his resting pulse rate is, you know, maybe lower than mine and his stress level surely is. Uh, so again, you know, what is it that you can do wherever you are to get out the visual Twinkies, put in the visual carrots, uh, for that accumulative effect that you're having every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, you know, yeah, there's a, I, I did this, gosh, when was my last beach trip? And I started doing this. You can go usually a beach. You're going to go to Miami beach or you're going to go to, you know, Cozumel or wherever people are going to go. I mean, you can find webcams. I had that up for a while, you know, just check, put the webcam up there. It's on one screen. Well, maybe I'm working on the other. What inspires you? I think there's nothing better than what can you put out visually? If it's your family, if it's whatever, Uh, but being aware that you are going to be online and there are so many back to the video things. What are you looking at? Is it something, you know, disgusting? Is it something crass? Is it just the news that's negative? Let's just put it there. Negative, positive, negative. It's, it's easy. What visual imagery is positive, negative? What can we do to turn it more positive? One of mine is a plant. Yeah. Yeah. Simple now. Okay. Talking about video and this is one that's cringy for everybody, but we talk about it and we know the influences of it, of negative imagery, uh, a big one out there. We, I, I mentioned horror movies, not like I do that, but one that is highly prevalent is pornography. Uh, and that's one mm. in different levels of, and these days the, I think there's a lot of people that go, Oh my gosh, never would I. Yeah. But what about Instagram, uh, that people live on? I don't know what the stats are. I should have gotten it before the show, but Instagram where you can go look at, you know, cool woodwork stuff. You can go look at fun friends, pictures. You can go look at outdoor stuff. You can also see just about as close to porn as you can get, uh, in, uh, whatever visual imagery it's right there in a, publicly acceptable forum and it's right there. And what are you letting your eyes feast and rest on? I, I, from the, from the medical side and, and the physiologic side. And for this to really lock into people's brains, I would use this example that. So let's, let's not even talk about porn as something good or bad, right? So there's, we live in a society that's going to debate about, are we going to call this morally right or morally wrong? And I would say, well, I think it's morally wrong, but let's just talk about the physiologic consequences that are outside of the moral justification or not justification. So we know for a fact that this is a visual input and instantaneously we can see this on a PET scan or a functional MRI change the physiology of the brain. Hmm. That's the key thing. So we're kind of now saying, okay, let's use the extreme of porn in any mild, moderate, severe form. And we can look at what that lights up in the brain and say, this is changing your brain. And now we know this. I've actually had young guys, you know, teens, 20s, who would complain of erectile dysfunction because their brain is so used to performing in a pornography video stimuli situation that when they're in the real situation, it doesn't work quite right. As well say, can we say artificial as opposed to virtual virtual reality? This is virtual reality. We are going there. Yeah. And that is where I, so the rights or wrongs of virtual reality, artificial intelligence, you know, these play sex dolls that are robots that are very real in life. Like, of course, most males are the ones going down that pathway, but females, you know, down 50 shades of gray and, oh, I wish that my life were this way. And that just, that changes your brain. That's the point we want to make is not, hey, everybody don't do pornography. It's bad for you kind of thing. We already, everybody already knows that. But if you now know that if you look you just change your brain. 
you, you did. Now, day in and day out, how many times does it take before there's a quote-unquote consequence that we will call a dysfunction, whether that's a dysfunction in your marriage because your wife now doesn't trust you or something like that, or a dysfunction in your physiology, you can't get it up anymore because all of a sudden your normal stimuli of your wife or whatever doesn't quite hit the right buttons that you've practiced over here. That isn't habit or that that isn't non-physiologic or just emotional, just psychological. That is concrete biochemical changes in your brain. We know that. This is not a you know, religious statement or whatever else. And if, and so if you Google around on that, go into PubMed, don't go to the Google world and look at the data that is out there on that. To me, that that's huge. And, and so then it, it helps me to say the black and white is there. So put up one more barrier. I don't want my eyes to see that because I don't want my brain to be impacted in that way. And as I talk to my three boys, it's going to be like, this is not just, you shouldn't do this kind of a thing. This is, it will hurt you. Well, so I'm going to go back. You hit on it to those who are married in romantic relationships. And you and I have been guys all of our lives, actually. And, uh, we have been with a lot of guys and a lot of guys groups in this discussion. And the reality, the one I think that this is the most weighty for me is the reality that when I, if I let my eyes go to porn or just, you know, play whatever, you know, however you want to uh, categorize it and let my eyes and my mind then feast on that. It's taking away from what is supposed to be for my wife, my desire for my wife. But I'll take it a step further, even when to the aspect of, I, I think God created us that way to pull my desire for my wife. It's another cue for me to take the time to invest what I need to in the relationship, uh, for my wife, because I desire her physically. And if, again, if I'm expending that input and energy elsewhere, I have less to give my wife and that takes away from my marriage. So I am choosing, uh, with, with porn or, or, you know, uh, sexual, sexual visual imagery. I'm choosing to take away from my marriage. I can't do that to my marriage. I can't do that to my kids. Uh, so there's some weighty consequences yeah. that you and I have experienced and, and seen. So, and I'll tell folks, you know, on my phone, well, in, in my, in my to talk about for accountability in my, both of our offices, when you walk in the, our doors stay open for the most part, unless we're, well, I, mine closes when you're being too loud in your office, but, uh, doors are open. The screens face the door. So somebody comes in, uh, my phone does not have any of the social media stuff. It does not have Instagram. It does not have Facebook on it. You know, Instagram again, it was a great, it was a great one. My family's putting pictures up there. It's great to see. And it's one click over to your, I don't know if it's like a homepage or something or a search. And you can see as many bikini clad models as, as you care to look at with no consequences because it's just, I don't know. I don't know if you can search on there either way. We get right. the point. Of, I mean, it's the whole point of Snapchat was no consequence visuals. Okay. Uh, well, I never had that. I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah, is that the one where this is going to sound the ignorant? The image goes away. Yeah, which yeah. I never did understand. Uh, well, I think that's why oh, because, okay. you know, and now we've got, you know, crave, sexting and the visuals that our kids are really having to struggle through. And and it's so powerful. It, 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 it's, and part of why it's so powerful, I agree, is because God designed it so powerful to pull our eyes towards True beauty, true mm-hmm. uh, truth, and um, and again, it is very difficult. We get to live in a place where we think we get to see true beauty. Maybe that's harder to to see if you work in a factory, if you're always in a you know in a car with cars in front of you. Well, well it's interesting. Go to New York, the, the uh, concrete jungle, and yet Central Park is there. And I think it's a it's a oh. It's a boon for so many people that I think we can all do that. Even if it's on the weekends, if it's, we know that as the cities grow, we have more people who are escaping the cities to see generally some nature, to hit the beach, to hit the woods, to hit a trail, to hit something that, so again, it's whatever you can do. Not everybody lives in the Rocky mountains like we do, but wherever you can get out. And if it's just to get into a park and sit under a tree, it affects us from a faith-based side and not from a fit. Well, and, and that's Science kind of the based. whole point of our, our, our discussion is the interrelatedness yeah. that, 
If your eyes feast upon these things, it, it will impact your faith. It will impact your physiology. And the, the point of the show is, is to make those connections there where it's not overt. It's not instantaneous. It is a part of the daily rhythms. And what you and I have learned when we're, as we're hitting 50 is goodness. The consequences that I now might be paying for my teens, my 20s, my 30s. And if people can hear that in their 30s, 20s, teens, and be incorporating, uh, habitualizing a zig, you know, to create a new habit of, and what we want to do is create awareness first that is scientifically sound, philosophically sound, that makes sense. It's not pie in the sky to say, do what you can, be aware, wherever you live, give credence to the idea that the rhythm of what your eyes are feasting upon in terms of electronics and outside and all these other kind of things has impact. You know, there's two more I want to hit on before, before we're done here. And one is, uh, again, what we are, let's go back. It wasn't it a book. We crave what we consume, uh, or or that was a, that was a point in the book. I can't remember. Yes. Okay. You think on made it. to crave is made the to crave. Title. Okay. And we crave what we consume. If we get to consumerism, um, we, well, in contrast to, we don't, we think we consume what we crave. Right. But in actuality, we learn to crave what we are consuming. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, well, well, so yeah. So on that, so I am a huge consumer and fan of Amazon, I, Amazon prime. You know that I've got something coming which in. Which means you're craving it even more. <laughs> I, I, exactly. And I'll pull, I'll think about something, I'll pull it up, but then how often, I mean, I've literally found my, my myself thinking of, gosh, is there anything else I want? <laughs> or, or right. Amazon is brilliant on saying, Hey, people who bought this, bought also this, bought these. even on the books. And I've done that with books too, which that, that I, I kind of dig. So if you like this book, you may like that. I I mean, I appreciate that, but that's their business. And the more I'm going on there and I can see the relevance of, do I need to limit going on to Amazon prime? Do you need to limit going on to the, whatever the catalog is at the place you buy something, the more you're on there, the more you do it, the more we're exposing ourselves, just like porn. This is, this is, you know, products and services porn over here that we do it and we get in that habit and we want that hit of the UPS guy or the FedEx mm-hmm. guy or the mail and look at it. What do I get next? I mean, I, I, I realize how much for it. I'm looking to that new thing. And two days later, I don't care anymore. All right. Christmas once a week. So give me the rush again. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's filling my eyes. So am I yeah. doing that with consumerism? And then the other one was uh, that we're seeing a lot of these days is clutter. A lot of, t- a lot of uh, uh, content on clutter. And I'm sitting here. I was, when you were talking, I was racking my brain. There's a lady who's famous right now. Yeah. It's like Mary or Marie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's got a website. Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's declutter. De- declutter your life, which is not like new, that. but she's a, a big voice in it. Then I probably should look her up. And, but I, I've realized that and found myself, myself when I am at a more level of a higher level of stress, I'll go through a frenzy. I I want everything on my desk. Just get all this crap off my desk or go into the home and go, can we just go through this? I mean, do a garage sale, just get it out of there. I think there's a natural thing in us, in us that wants, that does not want that clutter. It does take our focus to things. And it made me think back to the, you know, the, uh, how you say feng shui. Yeah. That's real stuff. I mean, we want to see peace. We want to see some order. So that, that's where I was going to go physiologically in the bottom line is and and so now if we put a little bit of science words on there and talk about randomized controlled trials and that kind of thing and we say here's 100 people and we take 50 of them and they live in clutter and we take 50 of them and they don't live in clutter which set of people are going to have an increased likelihood of whatever stress illness these kinds of things and so now we know it's 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 not a debatable kind of a thing because people are listening to this this and saying no 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 i i'm This is my way of organization or whatever else. And there's going to be, here's the tension, you know, the gray areas. There's no black and white of what is, oh, that kind of clutter is really bad. And this is good. But we have, there's a visceral response because there's a lady here in town. This sounds bad. We live in a small town, so we we can actually talk about specific people (laughs) that we don't know. Uh, She's often at the library where my kids are a lot. And she's a classic hoarder. Her car is, I don't know how they legally, I'm, I'm surprised she's not pulled over by cops because she can't see out of any window. Zero, nada. Completely full. And it's just, it, it is, it's a, even the kids, even the little kids will go, oh, 
I don't know. Why do they even know that that would be bad or, but it's a visceral response of, Oh, daddy, what's wrong with that person? Uh, It's so, so that's the extreme. That's the extreme, right? Of, Mm -hmm. of, of hoarding. And and there's a a psychological thing there, but we can derive a point. Like we will use the extreme of, of smoking or something like that to make a point of what's going on in the physiology. Cause most of us aren't living in the extreme. We're living in the day to day, quote unquote, American normal, mm-hmm. which as you and I know, compared to yesteryear of, of eons past is highly abnormal for the physiology in a lot of ways. Our eyes have never, ever, ever been exposed to this much blue light except in the last 10 years. Well, clutter, right. Well, okay, so now we live in an age where we thought that all of this electronic stuff, you know, we'll have our files on here, but we we still have more paper than we ever did. We still have more stuff. We have even more swag. We have even more things that we don't really care about that we've forgotten about, just like you say, because our, our access points, the access to things is so low now. It's one click and a day wait, maybe. Is that a visual input? Okay, well... I- Go ahead. Right. Yes, right. and it's noise. And, and it's noise. Exactly. So I was going to bring it to, hey, money talks, right? We tend to believe uh, the marketplace and money. So let's go to realtors. And if you want to sell your home, they'll tell you uh, 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 there's two sides of the extreme. One, it's better that you have things in there, that you have furniture in there, as opposed to having the house cleaned out. They want furniture in there. They, they're talking sales. This will prompt more people to want to buy your home if you have it furnished in there. However, on the other side, they want it sparse. They don't want clutter. They don't want junk. Think of the home show, man. If you're going to do a home show in your home, they're going to come and go, no, get that out of the way, place that over here. And it's going to be relatively sparse, clean, organized, and nice. So we're talking sales. What is sales based on? It is behavioral psychology. And they're, they're saying, what is attractive? What gives that? Why would we not take that thing into our own home and go, gosh, if that's what sells, if that's what's, what causes people to be attracted to something, why wouldn't I want my ongoing environment to attract me as opposed to treating myself like crap and letting there be clutter and noise and the negative effects of that? Absolutely. All right. That's my sales pitch right there. Well, yeah, the, the, the hard road, the high road is decluttering. The easy road is don't take out the trash. I'm looking around my office. I I know that pile of books. (laughs) Is this why we didn't do a video today? (laughs) Yeah. You're not getting visual imagery in my office. Son of a gun. All right. I I hope we've done good justice to this. It's, it's really got me thinking about it. it. It makes me think of the, the, the quote of, you know, our, the world's focus on damages, tornadoes, hailstorms, windstorms, hurricanes, and yet combine those all, they do less damage than termites. Who's talking and, and about we termites? never talk about termites. So this <laughs> vision, visual stimulus, is I'd say it's a termite that we're not. Mm, yeah. I wonder if we, if we look at all the senses, if it's the one that we pay the, uh, almost the least attention to, and yet, man, I mean, vision is everything to me. My vision, what am I filling my vision with? All right, I'm convicted. Yeah. And remember it's, it is, takes up a third of your brain. Just opening your eyes is turning on the back half of your brain. There's much of your brain is dedicated to the organization, uh, the filing and keeping in track of what goes in your eyes. And, and we, we take it for granted, uh, not only from a, you know, I can see versus I'm blind, but we take for granted the, the impact, the value of, of beauty and and then we take for granted the uh, the impact of what vision is having on the raw physiology of becoming more well or becoming less well mm-hmm. in our soul and our marriages and in our actual physiology. Goodness. All right. Well, let's go sit on the deck and look at Pike's Peak. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that. All right. Let's go. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. I hope that we have adequately elevated the gravity of our daily visual diet. Now is time to audit. What are we, what are you taking in through your eyes from the moment you wake and throughout your day? Who do you know who needs to hear this message as well? Um, I think this is one where we're going to, people are going to come to mind, send the show to them, uh, share it with them. Okay, coming up next in the True Life Show, episode five, we hit a massive area of input, audio, how you are programming your brain every day. From the moment you wake in the morning, you're choosing how you will wire your brain for success by choosing what you're going to listen to, what you're going to allow to come into it. Uh, So join us as we really hit this. I mean, this is a 
powerful aspect of looking at the external and internal messages. Uh, your very thoughts are literally a voice and do the most benefit and damage. Then the external audio input throughout your day is dramatic as well. And you can do so much to enhance the good and get rid of the bad of this internal and external dialogue. When you are not actively having a thought or, well, there's the question. When are you not actively having a thought or bringing in audio sensory input? Never. So the real question is how much of it are you controlling and being deliberate about? Have you ever seen, this came to mind, a food bank where people just donate any sort of food? Would you choose to eat whatever was dropped off from year old ramen noodles to pickled pig's feet to mac and cheese to spam, whatever? Well, probably not. But that's the question. Are we allowing our audio or do we have a virtual listening bank that we're just taking in, letting come in whatever happens to be around overhearing news of doom and gloom, office gossip, criticism uh, from the office, from a family member, wherever. And again, even more importantly, what is that internal audio? The voices in your head, decade old messages from parents and authority figures, siblings, friends, coaches, teachers, uh, spouses that have all had massive influence over what is often now simply your voice, uh, my voice. Is your voice speaking encouragement to you? Is it saying, hey, it's okay. You can do this. You're worthy and able. You're a good person. Or is it berating you, cursing you out, uh, talking about you know mistakes and irritations and frustrations? So folks, there you go. This is big medicine that none of us uh, can escape from, but we can all take dramatic action on. So, Hey, here's to you and getting you fully functioning. Well, there you have it folks. I hope we've adequately elevated the gravity of our daily visual diet. Now it's time we can audit what we take in through our eyes from the moment we wake up through our, our entire day. And who do you know who needs to hear this message, share the show with them. And the next functional Friday episode we're going to talk about a massive area of input audio. What's coming into our ears again, from the moment we wake up till we go down, we are pretty much constantly listening to something more now today than ever. And some of it increases and gives us life. Some of it uh, does not. And so much of it, we aren't even aware of and don't give gravity to the power it has over us. And we can end up at the end of the day or a certain period of time and wonder why we may not feel as uh, joyful and lively as where we are and realize, man, I'm not, I'm so budgeting of my finances, but I'm not budgeting of my auditory input. I'm so taking uh, care of what I let go in my mouth what I eat, but not what I let go in my ears. So we're going to, again, have a significant discussion on it. Thank you for choosing to tune in to the Self-Helpful Podcast. Subscribe, leave a rating. Best of all, let somebody else know something you learned, something that benefited you today. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself.